Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, and I've got a special co-pilot in my podcast with me this week. Uh, a lot of you fa- folks remember this man. I know you do. He's been on my podcast before too, and he's my Mulligan buddy when it comes to playing golf. Now, I think we're <laughs> I think we're pretty much friends now, aren't we, Jake Ballard? Oh, absolutely. We're friends. Why wouldn't we be? Well, I, when I called you my mulligan, buddy, that's when you know you're a friend is when you play golf with somebody and you hit a bad shot and he goes, hey, hit another one. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a buddy, right? That's a that's friend. A true, that's a true sign of friendship right there. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I got you on for several reasons. Number one of which, by the way, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Absolutely. You too. And uh, number two, uh, my uh, my regular co-pilot, uh, Austin Ward, uh, I'm headed to the Rose Bowl as soon as I get through recording this, but uh, he's already out the Rose Bowl, and you know uh, we'll we'll make a few link ups during the week leading up to the Ohio State Utah game. Hey, if it happens, right? The way bowl games are falling right before our feet here, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy time, isn't it, Jake? Yeah, it's really insane. It seems like every other day another game gets canceled, and, and it, you know, the, realistically, well, the day and age we live in, the way the playoffs are set up, some of these teams are just like, well. We'll just pack it in for the year. Thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's just insanity to me because you would think, or you know, back in my day, there was only one national championship game, so everybody else was going to be disappointed if you weren't there. But they were excited for their bowl game. Yeah, and coaches used that to get to play and get better. Now it's just like, well, let's just we'll start over, start from scratch, new year. Yeah, of course with the COVID nineteen protocols, which. It's still kind of require 10 days instead of five, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I think some of these teams maybe could have 
could have answered the bell if it was a five-day deal. And they're, you know, they've been working hard. They may be even passing that as we speak uh, from the CDC because obviously the Omicron variant hasn't been as severe for most people. Uh, the right. large majority of people have gotten, and we'll get into that maybe in a minute. But uh, yeah. you know, uh, Jake, you know, reason one of the reasons I've got you is uh, we're going to talk about this when we come back. I've got a interview with Kirk Herbstreit just talking about the bowl games and just sort of the malaise around this one, the Rose Bowl in particular, at least when it comes to Ohio State fans. Obviously, the Utah fans are pretty jacked up about it. You know, they bought a lot of tickets. Uh, it's the first time they've ever been to the uh, Rose Bowl. You can understand their excitement, right? I mean, no question. They were in the Mountain West, what, seven, eight years ago, and now yeah. they're playing in the Pac-12. They won the Pac-12. Now they're playing the Ohio State University. So they're they're pumped, and they're ready for the challenge, you know. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're going to see a lot of red there, not so much scarlet, not as much scarlet, I don't think. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe we get surprised. Us as Buckeye fans are – we're spoiled, right? So if it's not playoffs or national championships, it's a bust season, which – is the environment the playoffs have created. Well, we're going to come back after after this interview I did with uh, Kirk Herbstreit, who's uh, been on my show a few times here, uh, and I truly appreciate it. You and I are going to come back and, and chop up wh- why should it be important. You know, he's got his own he's got his own ideas on it, as you'll hear in a, here in a minute. But uh, you and I are going to come back and, you know, basically you made the play of your college career. There's a tease, but we've already talked about that before. <laughs> but you made the play of your college career. In that in that Rose Bowl, right? Yes, sir. Got, yeah, we'll, got lucky. Leave the details out. You know, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, whether the pass was intended for you or not, all that kind of stuff. We'll come back and chop that up in a minute. But uh, first, let's have this little interview I did with uh, Kirk Herbstreit. Hey, Kirk Herbstreit, welcome uh, to the to my podcast again, man. You're almost a near regular member. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Great to be with you. This is our one last swing of the 2021 season. Yeah, talk about a swing. You're taking a swing. I mean, you're doing the Orange Bowl, the uh, CFP semifinal game on the on December the 31st, and then you what? You and Chris Fowler both are flying the. I don't. I don't think a corporate jet would be a red eye. What would you call it? Uh, I don't know. I I just I'm going to try to sleep uh, on the 30th in the afternoon, or maybe the morning. I actually have a, a three hour game day the morning of the 31st. Yeah. So after that, maybe I'll try to get a nap. But uh, no matter how you're doing it, to get from Miami to L.A., um, it would be I mean, the flight's easy part, but that's your only option to sleep because by the time we land, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll leave at probably 1 a.m. Eastern, and I think it's five hours to get there. So probably land at about probably six-ish, I would yeah. think, yeah, and got to get to the hotel pretty quickly to, to get a quick rinse and, and change, and then We'll have another three-hour game day the morning of uh, of January first. I think it's at seven a.m. local. So yeah, quick quick turnaround, do game day, and then uh, catch your breath a little bit, and then call the the Rose Bowl, which is always you know the game that I look forward to every single year. I was gonna say, I mean, uh, that's what I wanted to tell people. You're doing you're doing that playoff game, and then what what game are you doing? Who's the matchup? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I've got Georgia and yeah. Michigan in yeah. the uh, the semi, the later game. Uh, again, it's, it's a, one of those weird years. It's New Year's Eve, um, but you have Cincinnati playing Alabama around like four uh, four o'clock, four thirty, and then uh, we will follow that game on the back end between Michigan and and Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, and the way you guys work, I mean, I'm not trying to brag about you, but you want your best team on the what y'all perceive as the best game. I mean, both of these will be quality, I'm sure, productions. But, uh, 
but is it important for you whenever you get the chance to do the Rose Bowl? Why is it important for you to get to the Rose Bowl and do the Rose Bowl? Besides your boss is saying, hey, we want you to do the Rose Bowl. <laughs> you know, I think you know the answer to that, but I'll say it. I, it's just the way I, I was raised. I, I know that game has changed. The times have changed, especially for this generation of player. But I haven't changed. I mean, I, I just always go back to being a kid from Ohio. Uh, growing up uh, in the 70s and in the 80s when it was dark at about four o'clock. And I, I just have these visions of turning on the Rose Bowl and just while it was dark and cold and sometimes snowy outside, you turn on the Rose Bowl and it was beautiful, sunny day. And it just always stuck with me how vibrant that game was. And I always wanted Ohio State to be there and would cry if they would make it. But there was something about that game and the, the field and the colors jumping off the field. It just looked it just looked like a fairy tale, you know. And when I got into the profession and I started to kind of get up and, you know, and in and, and the booth with Brent and doing some big games and we started to call the Rose Bowl in 06, I, it, it, every year it was like, I can't believe from the booth, the broadcast booth, you look out to the east and there's the San Gabriel Mountains. And you're looking out of these palm trees coming out over top of the, of the, the bowl, the Rose Bowl. Yeah. You're kind of in this valley. It, it, it honestly looks like a painting when you see it in person. And to just sit there and think, I'm doing the, this same little 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid that lived in Ohio. I'm standing in this booth calling this game. And it's just always been – I listen, I call all the semifinal games since 09. I call all the national championships since 09. I'm lucky enough to call a lot of big games and I love them all. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of all those opportunities, but the nostalgia and the history for me personally is still a big deal. And oh, yeah. so uh, that's why I'm taking a red eye or whatever we want to call it from Miami all the way to, to Pasadena. Cause I, if I'm breathing and they'll allow me, I want to call that Rose bowl. And I, I, I don't know if I'll ever change that view I've, I've called the most in the history of this, of the, uh, of the game of, of, as analyst, yeah. this will be my 14th this year. Um, and I think Keith has the record for the most that he's called. It might be 15, 15 or 16. So hopefully one day I, I, I have the longest of any broadcaster. That would be a great, you know, accomplishment uh, for me on, a, on just a little personal note, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always special. And when the Scarlet and gray show up for that game, it's just, it's always just a little bit more uh, unique and, and a great memory for me and my family. No kidding, man. I always said the Rose Bowl is why they invented color television for sport. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding you. You know, the grass is I'm always. The you, I, I, I say to people, you know how we used to watch games in standard uh, television yeah. and all of a sudden you got high def and you were like, come yeah. oh on. God, especially as a sports fan, it's like going from black and white yeah. to high def, not yeah. even color. It's like, I mean, just so, and hopefully we do a good job, our production team. Hopefully people enjoy the way we do it. You know, we've got all these different cameras. I think this year we're actually bringing in the first time ever. And by the way, the, the Rose Bowl, when it comes to viewing and what cameras you're allowed, it's very similar to the way Augusta National used to be when they would just show the back nine. And at some point they, they, they set a new standard and they said, OK, we're going to start to show the front nine. 
it's very similar as far as tradition and history. And the Rose Bowl itself is very selective and very careful with what you can show. If you think about it, most of our views, we have a kind of a sky cam that comes around the scoreboard and down into the bowl and just kind of shows the San Gabriel Mountains. But you don't see very often the other way around where you're looking west towards the Pacific Ocean with the, the sunset. And looking, and we're going to have a drone, I believe, this year that's going to kind of give, you're going to look back at the press box side to the west and look. It's a very beautiful, it's a look I don't see very often because yeah. I'm up in it, but it's a very magnificent look to see that layered press box. And uh, I, I think it'll add to kind of the storytelling of, of the broadcast. Yeah, as long as you keep the angle above the uh, parking lot behind there, but there's a nice ridge of like uh, hills yeah. behind there because it's, beautiful. as you know, the Rose Bowl sit in a canyon for one of another yeah. word, yeah. But, but but you know, early third quarter when the sun starts setting on the mm-hmm. San Gabriel Mountains. I mean, I've seen yeah. that several times live, like you've seen yeah. it multiple times. And yeah. is that the only reason to go to that game? No, I mean, it's usually, <laughs> you know, but I want to get you, I want to get to this, man. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Utah is so glad to be there, first time in history, fired mm-hmm. up. I called you their know, last game, so I, I know all yeah, about – I know uh, you I did. Called, I called their Pac-12 championship, and it's real. But what I'm getting to yeah. here is Ohio State, I mean, like you said, you grew up just hoping, oh, I'm praying your favorite team got to the Rose Bowl back in the 70s and, and 80s. And, uh, you know, and I don't know when you quit crying, you know, as a kid about <laughs> that. Because <laughs> there was there were some lulls, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, as much as you and I both cherish the Rose Bowl and what it's all about – do you worry about this idea of it being a consolation prize for the Buckeyes? I mean, uh, I mean, they claim they've gotten their act together, you know, but the proof will be in the pudding. But it is kind of that's sad in a little way, isn't it? Yeah, very sad. And I would say this to people that view it that way. You know, forever, the Rose Bowl was always the destination and the goal. And there are many years that Ohio State wouldn't make the Rose Bowl. But they would go to the Citrus Bowl and play Alabama or they'd play Tennessee or they'd play you know, Auburn or whoever it might be. And sure, there was some frustration. But a month later, it was not forgotten, but it was like you'd go to that bowl game and there'd be 30,000 Ohio State fans. And it was like, yeah, we'd love to be in Pasadena, but guess what? We're in Orlando and we're cheering our Buckeyes on. And there was no like consolation prize. There was no meaningless bowl game. Like yeah. the, the goal was still go to the Rose Bowl. The goal was win a national championship. But when it didn't happen, which was more often than not, it didn't ruin the next opportunity to play a game. Yeah. It didn't ruin the next. I don't. So I don't know why we're into this playoff or bust mentality as fans or as players. This is nothing new, man. The goal has always been to win a championship. Why now? Yeah. Why now are these scrimmages, scrimmages? Why now are these exhibitions? Why yeah. now is it only because of money? Is it only because how much money is in the system? Is that, is that what's changed for some people? Maybe so. Maybe that's what it's all about. You know, that what's in it for the players. And I, I don't get me started on what's in it for the players because the players, the way they have it in the game today, it's it's really, really good. Uh, yeah. Despite what you hear in social media, the players have it incredibly good. Um, but I, I you know, I, I don't I don't know why it's different now uh, when the goal has always been to you know, a school like Ohio State 
to always win a national championship, always, always get to the Rose Bowl. And yet you talked about the law. There are many years that didn't happen. And, and you never heard this kind of energy about meaningless bowl games, exhibitions, who can, because when you're a player, you're a competitor. What, what's the difference between playing Akron in September and playing Utah in the Rose Bowl, which, by the way, from a rating st- standpoint, the national championship will rate up here. The, the two semifinals will rate right here. The Rose Bowl, depending on how competitive it is, could rate there yeah. or could rate just a notch below it. And then yeah. after that, there's typically a decent drop, and then you get to some of these other bowl games that are still very highly rated, higher than the NBA playoffs, higher than Major League Baseball. So don't you can say that, ah, who cares, but – Again, if you're a competitor and you're a person that likes to go out and play football, I just don't know. If you're a first pick overall and you're going to go play in a bowl game and you don't think it's in your best interest, I'm not saying how dare you at all. And anybody who opts out and decides that they're not going to play, that's their that's their prerogative. I just don't know why it's becoming such a trend, even with fans. Ohio State had a 20,000 tickets. I understand we have COVID. There's a concern about what's happening with this newest variant. Yep. I understand it's expensive to go out there, but it's always been expensive to go out there. And I think they returned you know, quite a few tickets. So yep. I don't know if that's COVID. I don't know if that's the expense. Uh, I don't know if it's a lack of interest. Like if Ohio State fans reached a point where it's either Ryan Day, you either take us to a playoff but we're not going to go to the bowl game. Like, yeah. Is that where we've gotten as a program? And if so, that's a very, very sad uh, state that, that I think we would look at ourselves and say, because there are teams that go 10 and two and have a great year. And yeah. I don't know, man, I, I think you, you, you put, you just put, um, look at the history of your school. How often are you at the playoff? How often are you winning that national championship? Sure, it should be a goal, but if it doesn't happen, are you just like, eh. like I don't, I just, it, it's just foreign to me. It's completely. Well, what gets me is the, fan, me. the yeah. What gets me is the fans who get who get bummed out about it because it's almost like in their lives are they reaching the ultimate every day? You know, every year yeah. are they? Yeah. You know, hitting yeah. their goals? Or are they getting that? But, but Ohio State until '02, we were. I know. We, we had from 1969 to 2001, <laughs> you're talking about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Yeah. You're talking over 30 years of then if that's the goal, then but wow. there, was no, there, there was no talk of it, though. There was yeah. no yeah. it was. Did you beat Michigan and did you win your bowl game? Yeah, that's what Ohio State fans. That's all they cared about, you know, for 30 years. And so they, they hit the ceiling and they went at no two. And now I guess we're to a point where it's, you know, hey, either either get to the playoff or I don't really care. And I I will never, ever, 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 ever be a part of that. I am a college football fan. I love Ohio State. I'm a guy that watches these bowl games and everybody makes fun of. By the way, those same people are making fun of the bowl games. They're watching, too. All you got to do is look at the ratings. People watch these meaningless games. So I – I just think um, there's probably too many, you know, some of these bowl games that are on before Christmas teams that are six and six. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the system. I'm not saying there aren't concerns and some things that need to be ironed out and fixed. Obviously. I mean, the, the postseason right now is a train wreck, but um, I, I just, it's college football. 
Yeah. Like how, how do you how do you not want to watch? How do you not want to participate uh, yeah. in, in being a part of going out? You lost to Michigan in your last game. And you got a chance to go out to get that bad taste out of your mouth as a group on a big, huge stage, on a beautiful setting. Um, I don't know. Sounds like a and, pretty pretty attractive offer to me. Yeah, not only that, but get a glimpse of next year. You know what I mean? That's that's what's cool yeah. about a bowl game like this now. I mean, even even back then when Ohio State wasn't in contention or didn't win the national championship, you got a there was a kind of a sayonara to the seniors, but also a, a glimpse of what could be coming around the corner, like Keith Byers returning at that kickoff against Pittsburgh, you know, and yeah. the in the festival, that Jason down late. Yeah. And boom, next see, thing you know, he's like, yeah. Isn't that funny that we can bring up the 1984 Fiesta Bowl, yes. whatever the game, and we're sitting there like, oh, yeah, I remember. You know, it's it's like Chris Carter's, you know, his his rookie year, his freshman year uh, yeah. coming in and against USC and, and having all those receptions, you know, like there are just so many great memories. I, I think we're to a point now because of the transfer portal. We are to a point now where it's very, very rare to build a program and a culture. And Ryan Day does it as well as anybody, but I'm saying from 2021 and beyond, as we move forward with players that are just almost like free agency, they're coming, they're going. This isn't opt out for bowl games. This is like, how do you build a program? And how do you build a program that's proud of the program, of its history? And they feel some ownership of its history. You build roots down into the program and you're there for three, four and five years and you want to go back as an alum and, you know, go to Mirror Lake and look at the Oval and, oh, man, this is where I asked my girlfriend to marry me over here. And like, now you bring your kids back. Like, are we, is that gone? Like, is that history? Is it, is it now just, yeah. just a transaction? I'm here for a year. See, it didn't work out. Going to the next place. Like, is that is that good for the game? Like, is that healthy? Hey, Kirk, Kirk the game? I, keep, I keep reminding people, you know, I, I grew up in Alabama and then Texas and moved up here in 76, but uh, in to Ohio. But I keep reminding people between Gene Stallings and uh, Nick Saban, there was quite the there was quite the lull, you know, and everybody, all these uh, Nouveau Alabama fans think, you know, not only do they go to the playoff every year, they almost win it every year. And it's like, you know, yeah, they may they may maintain with winning if Nick Saban is done. But, you know, the guy in charge makes a big difference. But this idea that Alabama's always been there <laughs> is nuts, you know. And yeah. it's kind of like – and I even feel for Nick because, like, you know, I, I don't necessarily like him lecturing the media all the time about the uh, poison, et cetera, but the rat poison. But he is right. I mean, <laughs> fans do have a weird perspective on games now that they didn't have when I was growing up. And, uh, oh. and it's crazy. I mean, but I want to ask you uh, – my, in my opinion, I've always said the transfer portal was going to be a much bigger deal than the NIL because if you go anywhere, you're going to get an NIL, you know. But the yeah. transfer portal had the chance to really, uh, really change the way you look at college football. I'm talking about from a fan and whatever. But I didn't know coaches were going to get involved in the transfer portal too. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. this has been a – got to admit, this has been one of the cra- – this may be the craziest year ever. I mean, how do fans latch on to somebody now? And know they're going to be there, you know, the the next year. Are you concerned about that aspect? Of it? Oh man, I, I'm. If you're a college football fan, if you're a traditionalist and you love this game for a long, long time, and, and I'm not a guy that sits around with my head in the sand and like, you know, I, I I'm all about the sport evolving. I'm about the world evolving. 
You know, and I, and I think it's important to embrace that and not just hide from it or say that this isn't fair. So I'm all about it. You know, I, I, I have four kids, uh, you know, that, you know, from 21 down to 15. So I'm right in this. It's right in my sweet spot. Like I, this is my era of, of raising kids. And so I'm not ignoring it. I'm not saying that change is bad at all. Uh, in fact, I, I think change is, is welcome in my mind, but without parameters. Like when they did NIL, my biggest fear was, okay, NIL, let, let's see what can happen or transfer portal or any of these changes. Let's see what can happen. And NIL, it was interesting because my fear was, what if it becomes not an established player that maybe makes some deals? That's, hey, it's his name and light, you know, image, yep. likeness, go for it. But what about an 18 year old who's never been on your campus and he goes to a visit to Ohio State and they tell him something and then he goes to LSU, then he goes to Alabama, then he goes to Florida State and he's hearing all these, he and his parents are hearing all these different things as far as NIL. It's almost from what I'm understanding, it's like becoming a bidding war. You know, when you get to these powerhouse programs, I'm like, that's not what NIL was intended to do. That, that's, and there, right now there's nobody it's governing it. Nobody policing any of this. There's no parameters. There's no guardrails. It's just do whatever you want to do. Again, not great. This is not great leadership no. No. right now. And the problem we have is each state has a different set of rules. And right. so it's very hard to manage it. And until the federal government comes on and at some point Congress or whoever's going to make this decision gets involved and says, here's the rule. Uh, you know, federal rule on an entire country. Here's what you can do and you can't do. Yeah. Until that happens, this is what we have. And so I think it's going to be the wild, wild west until it just gets out of control and enough people are like, what the heck is happening here? And then at some point, you got to believe Congress will get involved and have some kind of ruling. But that might take, you know, politics work that may take two or three, four years. Yeah. So this is what this is what it is uh, sure. for the time being. And I, sure. I here's, just, yeah, here's a situation, though. The NCAA kept kicking it down, kept kicking the can down the street, mm -hmm. thinking it would almost go away. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not just talking about Mark Emmert. I'm talking about each of is the, yeah. the institutions, you know, and they kept yeah. and they could have set rules that would have mm -hmm. allowed NIL and with governance around it. But instead, now. What we're talking about in these states, these are laws that have been signed, you know, not not a rule. There are laws giving you the right to do these things. And there are about 30 or 40 of them, you know, or 50 yeah. of them, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and of course, the Israelis stepped in with their own little thing way too late. But now it's like how you you almost have to repeal laws to like the get the Israeli get a, get a hold of it when it could have gotten a hold of should have seen it coming. And that's yeah. what we're dealing with now, right? I mean, that's well. I think for fans, the, the biggest thing to understand is with, with the bidding that's going on as a concern. When you mix in the transfer portal, yeah, what is happening now? I mean, Mel Tucker has put over sixty players on his roster in two years. Yes. So Mel Tucker and others, every coach, Ryan Day. I mean, everybody. They have to now start having conversations because the roster is rolling constantly. So now you go, you're going to go up to that guy in his second year or his third year. And it looks like he's not going to play. And instead of just letting it maybe work itself out, maybe he plays as a junior, maybe as a senior, you go up to him now and you're like, Hey man, looks like, you know, if you're good with being a backup your whole career, then, then that's good. But if not, 
you know, we can help you maybe get to another opportunity and see if, you know, maybe a chance that, I don't I'm just throwing out North, Northern Illinois or Miami, yeah. Ohio, or wherever, Pitt, or, you know, wherever it might be, Syracuse, you know, if, if that's something you like to do. So these coaches are being put in a position because they need to make, there's so much move, so much inventory coming in with these portals, but you can't stack it up to 120 guys. So you got to, you got to clear the deck. Yeah. So you have to have some really uncomfortable conversations with some guys and hoping that they'll take you up on, you know what, you're right. It's just, it's not working out here. If you could help me get to this school, that would be great. And they're gone. And here comes the, the next transfer in. And so yeah. I don't think a school like Ohio State's doing it as much as you're seeing like Michigan State. I mean, think about who they were last year to who they are now, led by the most notable name is Kenneth Walker. But there, there are quite a few guys that helped change their season from from 19 during COVID to 20 yeah. and 21. So, you know, I, I think that's a big fear of mine is those guys are kind of the backbone of a program and they give you a foundation Maybe they're not known as much to the public, but now you're, you're, you're asking those guys to leave, you know, or even yeah. walk-ons, like the walk-ons that start to kind of rise up and start to contribute and look like they're not just scout team guys, they're traveling, they give you solid backup in case you're in an emergency. Those guys now are like, hey, I'm going to go play at Miami where I, can, I have two years of eligibility. I'm out of here. I'm going to go play. So I, it's just a, such a weird time yes sport meanwhile the game itself i don't know if you remember a season that was more exciting no. than what we witnessed in 2021 so that the product is off the charts but all this stuff going on and all at once it's not one ingredient eh, we'll manage this it's like nine yeah. ingredients being mixed into this thing and it's whew, you know i know the leadership around the country the athletic directors the coaches the conference commissioners, the presidents. I know everybody is very concerned uh, with, with trying to embrace this yeah. and trying to kind of figure out where, where we're going next and, and trying to take care of the tradition of the sport. Yeah. I, yeah. I said, I asked Ryan in one of the press conferences in this past month, I said, do you feel like you're at the, at this moment, you feel like you're standing in the middle of a tornado, you know what I mean? And uh, because there's so much going on, you were, you were, early signing period, although it's not really early signing period. This is the primary signing period now in yeah. December. And then they add on some guys if you have anything left. And But back to what you just said, see, I've said this on my podcast a million times on other radio shows and stuff. Mel Tucker set the blueprint on how you fix, on how you change a team in one year, mm -hmm. free agency market, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's yeah. and yeah. others are going to jump at that because there's so much pressure to win as we're mm -hmm. finding out around the country with coaches losing jobs in the middle of a year and stuff. I just think it's, I just think we're really headed in a weird path, man. Whether it's the wrong path, like you said, I think it'll figure itself out. I had Luke Fedlam on a, an attorney, yeah. local attorney who knows very much a big expert in the NIL, NIL. And he predicted this sort of like chaos wild, wild west for the first couple of years. But eventually Kirk, and you know, this, you got to eventually have to like prove to a business you're worth them giving you X amount of money you know, to their bottom line and stuff, but that's not going to stop the slush fund atmosphere of the situation, right? Like what's going on yeah. in Texas yeah. or Texas, you know, I mean, with what they're yeah. proposing, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Just absolutely crazy. When you allow, you know, you, you always used to hear rumors that 
certain schools or conferences or cheating or whatever it might be going on. And I'm, I'm one of those guys. I've never really witnessed it. So I'm always incredibly naive to it. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt until I just see it firsthand or know something, but there's always yeah. been. And now whatever your perception was of a certain conference, now it's legal. Yeah. You know, now it's like, you know, you 15, 20 guys together, they all put in a million dollars or whatever they're going to put in. And, now they can legally go and say, hey, you know, look what we got here. Look what we got put together. I mean, yeah, the, this player could be a spokesman for our rah-rah group, you know? I mean, uh, maybe yeah, you like yeah. this deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, it's it's a lot of, lot of big decisions need to be made. Um, you, you hope, you know, can this be done through the NCAA? I, I kind of feel like the NCAAs had their knees taken out from them, you know, when yep. Judge Kavanaugh – Judge Kavanaugh, you know, said, hey, while you're here, let me tell you what I really think about your organization. And it was like, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And for me, from that point on, it was like, well, <laughs> the NCAA, even though we really didn't feel in college football, they were really running things anyway. The conferences are. And now it's official that these yeah. conferences, these Power Five conferences and the Power Five conference commissioners are running this sport. But they don't they're not a governing body, you know, so you wonder at some point, will, will the power five break away and kind of create their own world yeah. to a certain degree? And how do they do that? I'm sure that's going to be a big piece of this at, yeah. at some point. Yeah, it was I always caution people, though, you know what, even if that happens, you still got to have rules. You still got to yeah. have. Yep. The power five, I mean, you can't just be, you know, we're living in, you know, Dodge City, Kansas, you know, in uh, yeah. 1880, you know what I mean? It's or 1870. Yeah. But, hey, let's real quick, I don't want to keep you all night. I mean, because we could talk all time. All, I know how when we get going. But I did want you to give me just like just a quick little feel on uh, these two playoff games. Does Cincinnati have a shot? Do you think Michigan could be the real uh, – chance to really kind of really muck it up for people from the standpoint of they were playing really good football at the end of the regular season. I mean, I know Ohio State fans don't want to hear that. They had the two best last two games of anybody in the field yeah. right now, in my opinion. Uh, impressive as hell. But what's what's just your what's just your take? Well, with Cincinnati, you know, living, living down here, going over last week, visiting with Luke and Desmond Ritter. I mean, there, there's a real belief that you know, they played Georgia last year in a Peach Bowl as a New Year's Six Bowl game, high-profile bowl game. And yeah. the expectation was that Georgia was going to blow them out. And they outplayed Georgia for, for about 58 minutes of that game and ended yeah. up losing in a last-second field goal. But I think they gained a ton of confidence as they came into this year based on that game. And it's why the, the voter, the, the people in the AP poll and the coaches poll before a game started, they were like seven or eight in the country because of that Georgia game, even though they lost it. So that put them – in prime position to potentially make a run with Indiana and Notre Dame on the road. And they, they went out and took care of business. It wasn't always as pretty as they had hoped it would be, but they took care of business and won the American and now they get their shot. I, I know Alabama is Alabama and I don't think Alabama, you know, Nick uh, Saban really well. I mean, he's not going to allow his team to kind of let their guard down and think, Oh, we're playing a, a group of five team. This will be easy. That will not be how Alabama shows up. Uh, saying that Michigan played as well as anybody the last two weeks, that the conference championship game, as you know, uh, Alabama put it all together by far. I'd watched every snap of their entire season. That was by far their best 60 minutes of football that they played all year. So if that Alabama team shows up, 
they'll not only be a handful for Cincinnati, they'll be a handful again for whoever they might play in Indianapolis if they were to win. So how does Cincinnati remain competitive? John Mechie, for you people watching this, they probably don't know who that is. Jamison Williams, the, the Buckeye receiver, went down to Alabama, became wide receiver one, and really has had a great year, obviously. Well, his other, the other 1,000-yard receiver they have is a guy named John Mechie, who's been there and, and really is a great player. So if Jamison Williams takes the top off of a defense, Mechie's underneath kind of doing some damage that way, kind of like uh, Jackson Smith and, and, and Jigba. So it's yeah. that kind of receiver that they've now lost. He's out for the year. And so now you're sure they have a lot of five stars, but they don't have a lot of experience. So how does that impact them? They're probably going up against the best secondary that they have pl- they played against with Gardner yeah. and Bryant, the two corners that are both you know NFL players. So I think they got to prevent the big play from Jamison Williams, and then their defensive front has got to win. Alabama's had a problem all year with late movement, stems, showing pressure, dropping back hiding pressure, bringing it. They really struggle with communication. And that, that it has to be something with Luke and his experience as a defensive guru. He's got to come up with some plans, get Bryce Young, who's very mobile, get him into some third and sixes, third and eights, and then get to him. Um, so that I think that's a big key. And then can Desmond Ritter be an X factor? When Alabama struggles, the quarterback's creativity, his mobility – getting away from pressure, making a play here, getting away from pressure, scrambling for seven on a third and six. That has to be on display. And um, and then they have to do a lot to try to hope that Bama has had a problem communicating. Yeah. They've, they've had a ton of busts in coverage at linebacker and safety. So you got to do a lot of pre-snap movement with motions and different formations to try to affect them. Uh, all that stuff has to happen, I think for them to win this game. I think they're going to be more competitive than people think. I do too. But I, 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 you know, just because of Luke Fickle and his team is a veteran team that believes in themselves. So I'll be surprised if a game gets away from Cincinnati. But to win it, defense has got to come up with some uh, takeaways and Ritter has got to be the difference, you know, scrambling around and, and making plays. Yeah. Uh, I just keep thinking about that Alabama-Auburn game. I'm just going – Oh, they're done. They're done. They're they're a ridiculous drive and a couple of penalty calls away from being not in this thing. And everybody's thinking they're the team to beat. I mean, it's crazy how things can change. They were more like they were more like the Auburn game for the season. Yeah. than they were like the Georgia game in the SEC championship. That 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 was Alabama. I mean, not maybe to that degree, but give them credit. I mean, rivalry game. Offense was atrocious for 59 minutes, minute to go on their own five. And Bryce Young just starts kind of with without some receivers. I think Jameson Williams is out of the game. He yeah. starts making some plays and, and ends up winning and getting it into overtime. Yeah. And they win it in overtime. So, but that the, 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 when you watched him, you didn't go like, oh, Bama's clearly one of the best teams in the country. You didn't no. feel that. No. And, and again, that's how most of the season they've been a little bit kind of erratic. You were wondering where they were the best team in Alabama that day. But, uh, right. but, but the flip <laughs> yeah. side, you know, but they did a classic number on Georgia where they jumped up on them. And now Georgia, you know, with Tetson Bennett, et cetera, they, they, don't, they don't have that wherewithal. I mean, they are not that – I'm talking about Georgia. is not that kind of team offensively, you know, and I think they, they showed everybody that. So I'm jumping to that game. Yeah. What's, 
Let's just well, – you, you do predictions. I know you don't do predictions yeah. on games you do, but but that yeah. can that, – that is – I look at that as 50-50 toss-up. I mean, uh, I don't know how you look at it. Well, I, I've been around the Georgia team this year, and I, I think that they've, they've got a, a unique – um, connection, especially on the defensive side of the ball. My my hunch is that they're not thinking about opt-outs. They're not thinking about agents. Yeah. They're not thinking about the NFL. My hunch is they were humiliated, especially the defense with the way they played against Bryce Young. My hunch is that they're going to have a very aggressive practice. They want to get back out on the field. That doesn't mean they're going to win, but my guess is they're coming to show that that was an aberration. That's not the reality. Now, you make a great point. How does Jim Harbaugh, with four weeks off, throw in you know the award shows, throw in the holiday, throw in you know COVID, and you know everything's just different. Yeah. Get out of that routine. But they were playing their best football in their last two or three weeks of the season. And they wanted it. I get one thing you, whether you like Michigan, you hate them, whatever, you have to tip your cap to Aiden Hutchison and the Michigan team when they took on Ohio State. Yes. There was like kind of a not today kind of attitude about them that carried over to Indy against Iowa. Cause I thought, eh, so much yeah, emotion too. against Ohio State. Yeah. Maybe they'll let down. But no, they were, they were on a mission. So are they able to recapture that? It was their mission to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten? Like Ohio State, they yeah. were on a mission last year to beat effing Clemson. We were going to beat – like that was a yeah. mission. They were not the same team a week later when they played Alabama. Now, I know Alabama was great, and yeah. maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but think about how the anger that Ohio State had when they played Clemson. Didn't have that same anger against Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Can Michigan have that same like buzz and energy – that 97 has played with most of this year, or has he accomplished his goal of winning the big 10? Yeah. That's what, that's a big part. Cause he, if he and that Michigan team come in, we're not even thinking of being done kind of attitude. We're just getting started and it's real. Yeah. And whoo, that's game. That's a game that I want to watch. The analogy I always use is when you climb Mount Everest, you've got to think about the round trip. Because if your only goal is to get to the top of the mountain, yeah. you got a hell of a you got a hell of a surprise coming back down. You know what I mean? So you yeah. got to be you got to be psyched for that. Because yeah, beating Ohio State and then winning the Big Ten, which they hadn't done either one of those in a long time. Uh, yeah. you you can't let it like just like Ohio State when it won the game of the century in two thousand six. You know they were not the same team when they played Florida. Yeah, Florida, had a lot, but it was the exact same. And Kirk, I just want to get to man. Uh, Dauber, I, I, the word I like to use is Dauber, man. You got to have your Dauber up in these big time games anymore. I mean, if Ohio State doesn't have his Dauber up against Utah, Utah might give him a knot on their head. Well, let me. Side I, of it I, is, I know we're. I they know can we're do the same on, thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We're tied on time, and I just I, yeah. I'm gonna give you a quick little thought on the Rose Bowl, just just because Kyle Whittingham. If you talk to coaches from the West Coast all the way to the East and into the South, every conference, and you took a poll, anonymous poll, yeah. and said. Yeah who do you respect the most in the coaching fraternity head coaches? And you gave them a list of three names, four names, and you, you pulled them all. And you, this was not going to be used for public. Yeah. Kyle Whittingham would be on 80% of those, those, those uh, coaches who he coaches against and with, he no. is as respected 
as anybody, and he's been doing it for 17 years at Utah as a head coach. He took over for Urban when Urban left to go to Florida. He was Urban's DC. Yeah. He is a, he projects. This is a guy that when he recruits, <clears throat> he finds Devin Lloyd, who's a wide receiver and a safety in high school. And he's long and lanky. And he says, this guy, I know the only school that's offered him is UNLV, but this guy looks like one of our guys. This guy looks like, not today, but projecting like Iowa would do in two years or three years. Yeah. I think this guy could be a linebacker for us. Let, let, let's go, let's take a shot on him. Even though UNLV is the only school that offered him. He, I don't care what one star, I don't care about any of that. We're going to go get Devin Lloyd. And let, let's bring him in and get to work with him. Devin Lloyd is now four years later an All-American. He's you know going to be a first-round pick, but he's an example, and he is the most humble, hardworking guy that's on their team. He takes a lot of pride, and on Tuesday and Wednesday, bringing the freshman linebackers in with him to teach them not just to watch film like you're watching a highlight show, but he shows them what you're looking for with offensive linemen with their weight on their hand, or look the running back here. Look, see how he's at seven yards deep instead of at five. Like, you know, that, that means he's going to swing out or look, he's, he's off to the right of the uh, quarterback and the balls in the hash on that right hash when he's there, like he's teaching them like a coach. And when I get around their team and I started to hear some of that, and then of course they, they have tragic news off the field where they've lost a couple players to some shootings yeah. and that can either divide a team or bring them together. And in their, their case, it's really brought them together. It's almost like they're playing for, for their, their lost teammates and yeah. their families and it's a very unified team. And here they are with all that going on. This is a team that was one and two at the beginning of the year, made a change at quarterback, and has a, they haven't looked back since. So the quarterback will not blow you away. His name's Cam Rising. Will not blow you away with his ability, but he is like the energizer bunny. They believe in him. They think he has all the answers. And so they've been a different team, and they are sky high as far as confidence and they're going to the first ever Rose Bowl. Now, all, I'm just saying all that because you're right. If Ohio State shows up and it's like, man, I can't believe we're not in the playoff. or Because it's not showing up the day of the game excited. Right. That's, you're going to do that. You're going to look around and be like, oh, my gosh, let's go. But <laughs> if you didn't put in the work, like real work, back in Columbus and those four or five days in, in California, you get exposed when you take the field against the team that's there, they're on a mission. They, they're wanting to bring that trophy back to their fans in Salt Lake City. So Ohio State obviously matches up physically. It's not about that. Uh, this is a physical team. They want to win the line of scrimmage, Utah. They, they pride themselves on winning the line of scrimmage on both sides. So it'll be fun to see how Ohio State matches up there. But Ohio State's skill is obviously gives them a great chance. CJ, I don't know who's going to play, who's not going to play. You hear all these rumors about the receivers and things like yeah. that. We'll see how that plays out. But um, I, I just can't wait to see how Ryan Day gets these guys up yeah. to play this game because yeah. uh, that's the million-dollar question is can, well, they, can yeah. they show some, some resilience? You know, the idea of a, uh, an analogy of a, of a prize fight, uh, Utah is going to come straight at them. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. stop me yeah. if you can. I'm going to get inside. I'm going to throw uppercuts, and we'll see if you can handle that. You're the the Apollo Creed. You know, you've, you've got this little fancy little jab and all yeah. this kind of stuff outside, you know, but can you get in there and, and hang in there? Because obviously Ohio State's last time out, 
it got beat up, you know, by by the by, by Michigan. Yeah. And yeah. I wrote a story about that, you know, middle middle of the month is like they, they know everybody knows what the blueprint is here. Can you fix? Can you alter that blueprint? That's what they're looking at. Hey, Kirk, real quick, uh, uh, playoff game against uh, you know the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Then you and Chris are doing an NFL game the next weekend, and then yeah. you're doing the national championship game. Are you living the high life, or are you going? Oh my goodness, when am I going to do my laundry? <laughs> I'm definitely not living the high life. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to get to the next. I mean, for day. a football guy, you're living the oh. high life, aren't you? Oh, I mean, I'm living a dream uh, as far as my job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, to call the semifinal game and then the Rose Bowl and then regroup a week later, get a shot to call an NFL game, which is a flex schedule. So we have no idea what game we're calling. It's ESPN has been told they're going to get a. They're going to get a what? Where we'll be or what game it is, but we'll be yeah. there. And then once we call that, like you said, we'll, right after that game on Saturday night, we'll fly over to Indy and, and get ready for Monday night's national championship. So, yeah, it's it's a heck of a two-week run. I'm incredibly blessed and fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. I never have taken it for granted. I never will. Um, just incredible to think, you know, Seems like yesterday I'm sitting around with you and Dom answering questions, um, getting ready to play a, a game, you know, yeah. with, with reporters and just hanging out. And I feel like I'm the same exact guy. I just happen to be traveling around doing these these games. And um, it's crazy. It's it, 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 The whole thing's crazy. You, you know? are still the same guy, you know, and and, and it, but when you become famous there, are, you got to put up some uh, you got to put up some kind of fencing, you know what I mean? You can't just yeah. let every dog go through the neighborhood, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but but no, but Kirk, I mean, you know, you talk about, I mean, I really appreciate you, man. I mean, every time you come on with me, I totally appreciate it. And I hope you have a very successful uh, run there because uh, I'm talking about that four-game suite, man. That's that's any broadcaster's, I think, uh, bucket list, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to think. I mean, I – I don't know many people that have made a run like that in, in two weeks. So we're, we're excited to do it. And then you know, the great thing is starting January, whatever it is, 12th, 11th or 12th, whenever that Tuesday is, I put down work and I get, I'm living in Ohio now in Cincinnati. So I can, I can get up and I can see Ohio state hoops. Hopefully COVID and everything is, is contained, but yeah. if it is, um, I go into fan mode. So I get up, I'm going to get up with my, my, my son and watch Ohio state hoops, go up and watch blue jackets. And uh, just kind of, that's my way of kind of uh, decompressing on after, after a crazy year. Yeah. And by then the month of December will be in the Columbus blue jackets rearview mirror. Cause Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Hey. yeah it's, it's been a tough stretch. Yeah. Kirk, appreciate you, man. I'll see you out there at the Rose Bowl though, man. I appreciate you coming yeah. on with me. Yeah. Can't wait. See you buddy. Right, Happy new year. Well, I appreciate Kirk Herbstreit uh, joining the Tim May podcast again. And, Jake, I appreciate you being on with me, my man. Uh, although the way this plane is flying is tilting a little bit to the right there. You're in that co-pilot seat. Uh, everything okay over there? Yeah, everything's good over here. I just I, I outweigh you by quite a bit, Tim. So Yeah, you, yeah, you do. And you out-hit me. You out-hit me by quite a few yards, you know. Uh, we're, we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, just when you played in that Rose Bowl 2009 season – 2010 Rose Bowl. Uh, uh, why were you guys jacked up to be there? Obviously, you you guys end up beating Oregon. Uh, I can't remember if that was an upset or not. I can't remember exactly what the we odds were, were going into that game. But you go ahead. I think we were the underdog. Yeah. Um, at least that's how we felt. Maybe we weren't ranked. Uh, maybe we were ranked higher. I can't remember. 
But all week we felt like – all bowl practice we felt like the underdogs because Oregon was this phenomenal team from the Pac-12. And, you know, they had a great quarterback in Masoli who could run and yeah. pass. And it's a couple of good guys, skilled positions. LaMichael James was their running back. LeGarrette Blunt was their running back until he punched the guy from, from Boise State and had to sit out all year. But he was <laughs> back for our game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were we were riding high. We had we had an up and down season. You know, we started off with a tough loss to USC in the shoe, which we probably should have won a last last second drive by USC to take the lead and win. Um, we had a <clears throat> complete mental breakdown against Perdon't against Purdue at Purdue. Seems like nothing went right, and we lost to them. But then we you know we we beat Iowa in Columbus for the Big Ten championship. Then we went out to Michigan to beat them, and that you know they weren't contenders, but it feels good to beat Michigan any time you can. Yeah, I was yeah. undefeated against them, so you know we were we were pretty excited for the Rose Bowl. None of us have ever been. We had two national championships. One was a Fiesta Bowl, one was a Sugar Bowl, and then the other one we I played in anyway was another Fiesta Bowl. So something totally different for us. And we felt like we had a lot of things to prove still. We felt like we could have been one of the best teams in the nation. And uh, we were excited for opportunity to go beat Oregon. And that same year was a year that Texas and Colt McCoy played Alabama in the national championship. And, you know, we felt like we were right up there with both those teams. Yeah. Well, Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt in that game. They probably beat Alabama. They almost beat him with a backup quarterback, if you remember. But uh, Yep. That's the fickle nature of college football. And just when you think you know what's coming around the corner, something else happens. But uh, that's what I wanted to ask you, man. Uh, you know, this idea that this is a consolation game for this Ohio State team shows you how much things have changed. But I would think for the players, you know, as Kirk Herbstreet said a minute ago, you know, the, there's no doubt these players are going to be jacked once they walk onto that field, which could, could, which could uh, uh, double as a – as a golf green on a lot of the golf courses we play, but a golf right. fairway for sure. I mean, you right. remember playing on that field and just the setting, et cetera, they're going to be jacked when they walked on it. The question is whether they were jacked up getting ready for it, like you guys were, you know, with the chip on your shoulder uh, is going to be sort of a deciding factor. But do you get the sense this team's going to, quote, show up? I'm talking about Ohio State. I I would think so, Um based solely on the way they played their last game and just got dominated at all, all phases of the game against Michigan. You know, Michigan deserved to win that game. They, they kicked our butt from the very get-go, and you would think that would have a bad taste in these guys' mouths. Um, maybe at first they weren't super excited to be playing the Rose Bowl, but also they, they missed their opportunity to play, play in the playoffs, and it's their – I mean, let's be honest, it's their fault. It's yeah. – it's, Ohio State football coaches, players, they lost the game. So I would think that they want to go out and prove, you know, the country wrong, that they aren't this soft team, this finesse team who has a bunch of skilled players and, and can't win the physical battle. How, how much would that grate on a football player? You know, Steel Chambers said, hey, you know what? That day, Josh Gaddis, when Josh Gaddis, you know, Michigan's offensive coordinator said that when he made those comments. He, you know, Jill Chamberstub said, yeah, he was right that day. I mean, uh, they did get pushed around. They, they, you know, they did get uh, shoved all over the Michigan Stadium uh, field. But how much is that great on a player? I mean, do you think? Oh, it's – I think that's – I mean, that's – you always think about your last 
But when you're playing, you think about your last time out. Well, there's no – it doesn't matter if you had a good game or not. You lost the game, and you're going to feel terrible about it. You know, even, you know, C.J. Stroud had a heck of a game. You know, and if they would have won that game and he had the same number of stats, that would have been his Heisman moment. He almost yes. did for 400 yards against Michigan. But he lost, and he he's talked openly about how disappointed he was in in the, the loss, and he thought he could play better <laughs> and the whole team could be played better. So those guys are thinking about their last time on the field. So that's definitely something that's constantly there. Um, and you know these coaches are, are not going to let them have the easy way out, so you think they're going to keep them focused throughout the throughout the playoffs or the bowl practice, that is. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm trying to remember – 2009 for that Rose Bowl. Did y'all have anybody not play, just opt out? I'm trying to remember. No, no, that wasn't that wasn't a thing back then. That really just started to become a thing more. I don't know, last five teams, years, or right? Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bradley yeah. Roby. I think you, you had a hamstring pull, whatever you know, whatever right. it was in the 2013 season, going into the Orange Bowl. Uh, where he was probably going to be going against Sammy Watkins Jr. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, could have used but, him. <laughs> yeah, there have been a couple of guys who've missed the games for whatever reason. But, uh, but yeah, and Denzel Ward, of course, you know, supposedly made up his mind, you know, just before the Cotton Bowl there against Sam Darnold and USC back, what was that, a couple, three years ago. Uh, although it seems like with the, with what he wore to the game, he had already made up his mind a while ago. <laughs> but uh, exactly. but but. Do you, you understand why, like, if there are players, which as we as we record this, no one has confirmed they're not going to play. The the feeling right. is possibly Garrett Wilson, Nicholas Petit Freer, and possibly uh, Haskell Garrett will all skip this game for one reason or another. Haskell Garrett got banged up, you know, as the year went on and stuff. But uh, uh, but you can understand what's at stake for those guys, right? With with the only thing riding on this game being pride and a Rose Bowl trophy. Oh, I, I understand 100% where they're coming from. If I'm Garrett Wilson, I've put a resume together this year that's one of the best in the country. Uh, at this point, I have nothing to prove. Yeah. Um, now it's just working on little things to get ready for the combine, you know, techniques about running the 40, running routes, all that stuff to just improve his position because he's going to be a first-day pick. He might They're saying he might be a top 10, maybe slip in the top five. I don't think top five, but I think he could definitely be a top 10. Guy, so yeah. from his standpoint, I would completely understand. And as a Buckeye fan, I'm okay with it because I know our our who the receivers we have. Yeah, you know, yeah. if if the same thing with Alave, if he if he decides to bail out too, I get it. You know, money's important. Um, you play football at Ohio State to make the NFL to create a life for yourself. Um, and I get where those guys are coming from. Haskell Gitter, I I guess I'd understand too, especially he's beat up. Um, but for Haskell and, and Nicholas Petit Freer, I guess I would think they wouldn't want their last game on and film to be the Michigan game. Yeah. Just getting absolutely rocked all game. You know what I mean? So I would yeah. think that they would take the mindset, look, I got to put another good game on film and also help this team win. And that's what would my mindset would be. But I've also never been in the position to where I thought I might be Drafted high. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. But you, but you played in the Super Bowl after, you know, with the New York Giants, won a Super Bowl ring with New York Giants. Uh, uh, were you a preferred free agent? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I was yeah, a, like preferred uh, walk on. Yeah. Was a, yeah. That's exactly right. I was an undrafted free agent and I, I signed right after the draft. 
But let me tell you, I've told you this a million times. We talked about this when you were on my on my podcast once before. Just based on one catch, I would have drafted you, you know. And you and I talked about, you know, uh, the guy sitting in the stands. Uh, I mean, and what I'm getting to here, ladies and gentlemen, is the catch he made uh, pass from Terrell Pryor uh, that that sustained a drive, kept the drive going. Uh, one of the great catches in bowl history for Ohio State, uh, in, in my opinion, if you just talk about bowl games, uh, when you climbed the ladder there. Uh, and, Jake, you were up for that game. I mean um, – that was a huge game for you and a lot of re- for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah, no question. You know, it's at this point I'm a senior. It's my last game in Ohio State. Um, I was un- I was defeated in bowl games, lost two national championships, a Fiesta Bowl, and realistically, two of the three of those games were pretty you know close. I thought we should probably won, especially the Texas LSU. We we had opportunities. Florida, I wouldn't say that. We just kind of got outplayed, outcoached anyway. Um, but I was up for this game. You know, it's my last time to wear Scarlet and Gray. Like I said, as a team, we were excited. You know, back then, only two teams could go to the national championship. So there wasn't this – there wasn't this, oh, man, we should have made the playoffs, and now we're going to the Rose Bowl. It's like, this is the Rose Bowl. And we still – all the players at this time knew how important the Rose Bowl was. And I think that's what the players today are don't understand because yeah. it's just not the way it is anymore. Yeah. Yeah, your head coach was jacked to be there. I mean, Jim Trussell, all he did his whole time at Ohio State was preach tradition, 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 what it means to be a Buckeye, uh, things like that. And in an area you are, you're, you're basically is hallowed ground as far as Ohio State fans are concerned. What's it like walking out? What, maybe somebody who doesn't play in this game, let's say, but what, what are they going to miss? What is it like walking out onto that in into that stadium and onto that field? I mean, what what what's that sin? What do you remember about that? Uh, very surreal moment with like just goosebumps and excitement and uh, a little bit anxious, but not the bad anxious anxiety, just the good anxious and bands, the bands all over the place, stadium filled, the sun coming down over the mountains there um, in the low light of the early evening. I remember game day being there and just scarlet and gray, a lot of the stadium and just the condition of the field. Like you said, the grass was unreal. Nothing that we like. Yeah, we played at UC USC a couple of years before that in the Coliseum, and it, that was nice. But this is the Rose Bowl, yeah. and like you said before, Trestle definitely was excited to be there. Trestle always remembered the past and got pumped up for that, and wanted it was really big on tradition. This was his first Rose Bowl game, which is crazy. Yeah, you know, you thinking that this is his ninth year at Ohio State, and this is his only Rose Bowl game. He's that was the only Rose Bowl game he played in, yeah, or coached it. So. Yeah. But if it'd, like, if it'd been like the old days, you'd, y'all would have played in three or four of those. You know what I mean? He would have. He would have right. coached in three or four of those. You know, he was right. the quarterback. He was the quarterback coach in 1984 when he went out there uh, uh, and played USC under Earl Bruce. And uh, a couple of years later, took the Youngstown State job. But uh, it, that is what's weird about things is, you know, you can say, well, these guys ought to be jacked because it's the Rose Bowl. But the new the new the new contracts, you know, with first the uh, Bowl Alliance and then the uh, then the BCS and then and then now, uh, of course, the playoff era changed it. I mean, they they changed what was the ultimate goal. I mean, even you guys, you you played for trying to get to a BCS game, and you and during your career, y'all did it twice. You you know, you kind of understood the formula, you kind of didn't, right? But uh, to finally get that at the end of the, those seasons was still jubilation, right? I mean, it was like. Hey, uh, we're in this game when y'all didn't quite 
you know, I think the funniest thing about this, comparing this to like you guys in 2009 was in 2009, uh, y'all ended up in the Rose Bowl. You beat Michigan. You know, you won the Big Ten, but you knew you weren't going to the BCS, right? I mean, because of the losses earlier in the year. These guys played for everything a few weeks ago at Michigan. And at the end, we're left with just the Rose Bowl. You know, and you can understand that, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think that's like? How is it? I, I, let me ask it another way. I'm I'm kind of answering my questions as I ask them. Sorry about you, that, Jake. You know how I am, especially on the T. Um, no, you're good. I I just think I, I I couldn't imagine. I guess I can't. I've kind of been there, but this my my season was over. Right? I yeah. we got to the the highest mountain peak and the opportunity to win the national championship, and then we lost. So that defeat and that feeling of the disappointment I have, but these guys still have the season going on and still get a chance to kind of turn the tide of how they feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure they're disappointed. I couldn't imagine. I I've lost a lot of big games in my career. Um, but you guys but still want to, but you guys still won a championship that year. You know, you won the big 10 and you know, you're in the Rose yeah. Bowl. You know, right. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have that, which is, yeah. is is crazy to me to even think about that. These guys are in the Rose Bowl, not even as big 10 champs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it kind of it is like you said, it's the, the times of football right now. But, you know, it's it's the system that what's how the playoffs are set up right now. These guys don't know any better about the history of of the Rose Bowl. So it's you can't really blame them for not if they aren't pumped up. But then it's kind of like the old 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 timers trying to tell these young guys about the opportunity they have before them, but they they know that's not the same. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if there's any way to go back in time or to change what's been done to make the Rose Bowl what it was. Yeah. I oh, mean, I don't think it ever will be because uh, you know, let's face it, we're we're pell mell headed to an eight team or sixteen team playoff down the road just because of of what we're talking about, you know, right. <laughs> give, give people still have a, uh, you know, a bit in their teeth, but you know, it's going to be really bummer when your season's over on December the 16th or something, when you lost the first round game, you know, uh, right. do you, you, you know, you and I are on our, are the tailgate show 97.1 to fan our last tailgate show is coming up uh, this Saturday, you know, before the Rose bowl. And, uh, uh, but do, do you, do you worry about the future of college football right now with everything that's going on, including the dilution to a certain extent of, of a game like the Rose Bowl, but also, you know, the transfer portal, you know, like I, like I said, like I joked with Kirk Herbstreit, uh, you know, even coaches are jumping in the transfer portal now, right. you know, it's, it's a right. crazy time. Do you, do you worry that they're kind of losing sight of what, what separates college football from pro football from the NFL? I mean, what what's just your your former guy that played at the highest heights? You know, you you won a Super Bowl, you played in the Rose Bowl, you you uh, played for two national championships. Uh, you know, it didn't get much better than that from a from a resume standpoint. But do you worry yeah. that college football is losing itself in this situation? I mean, I think at the heart of the question, I do. Um, it's the Wild West right now, and there's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's been growing pains with the NIL and the one-time free transfer, which I do think is right with the one-time free transfer. If yeah. coaches can do it, players should absolutely be allowed to do it and play right away. Um, but I think 
it's getting to the point where, and you know this, the coaches almost can't coach these kids as hard as they should because they got a tippy toe around them because they, if they make them mad or get them upset, they could just transfer. And that's tough for me because there's a lot of good kids who need some hard coaching nowadays, but you know, some kids are soft. Um, But then there's cases like Joey Burrow transferred out. It paid off. And there's kids that are going to go to other players, other schools that just to try Jameson Williams. Exactly. So, but I am kind of worried about where it's going. It's definitely, I think, lost a little bit. But I think in five or ten years, I think all the wrinkles will be kind of worked out and smoothed out, and it will look a little better product for the betterment of the kids and the teams in college football moving forward. Yeah. Now let's go back to my original premise here. What is it like to make a huge play on such a in such a like you said, a surreal surroundings uh, in the Rose Bowl, your last college game. Take us through that play. You know, people have pictures of that up on their wall in some places. You know that, right? I imagine you've signed a few thousand of those uh, along yeah. the way, uh, copies. But what? just take us through that play. Uh, what, what was called in the huddle, sort of, if you remember. You know, I hope it wasn't Red Right 88. That's the uh, Cleveland Browns famous play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I was standing about – it was like minus 51-degree windshield. I was standing about uh, 50 feet from the uh, Oakland – the uh, Raider guy that intercepted that ball in the end zone in the old Cleveland Stadium back in – whenever that was, 1981. But uh, I was covering that game. But I digress. What's it like? Well, take us through that play. What do you remember about it and how it still resonates with fans, man? So, it's funny because a lot of people would think – you know, if they don't remember how the play started, they would have thought I would have been, you know, on the end of the line in a normal tight end position or maybe split out. But I actually started in the backfield. I was in the backfield next to Terrell. And my – I don't remember the play call, but my assignment was to check the Sam. I had protection, so I was checking Sam to safety. If no one came, I'm running the flat. Well, they didn't come, so I'm running the flat. As I'm running the flat, I see Terrell start scrambling. So scramble rules, you turn up field. So I turned up field, just started running straight. Then you keep your eyes on the quarterback the whole time, right? So yeah. I kept my eyes on him and was just running, and I saw him launch the ball. So in my mind, he's throwing it to me. You know, you're not paying attention to what other guys are at on the field. And I just went up and got it. Um, and like anything else, I was just, I was a hungry tight end, ready to get ready for passes. This is my last game, so I was I wasn't going to let this one slip. But, you know, if you look back on the film, there's you had Lamar Thomas coming over the top. And I honestly think that's who Terrell was throwing to. I don't think he saw me running up the sideline. Yeah. Um, and who knows if I wasn't there and I didn't go get it, would it have been intercepted? Good chance because there was two guys on me and one yeah. guy, one organ duck behind me. Yeah. So it, it's pretty crazy. And then just having a special place in Buckeye lore, you know, is, is pretty special because of that, like, you you know, you didn't say this, but we both know it. if I didn't have that play, I would just been another guy. There's a lot of Ohio state guy, great Ohio state players who maybe not didn't have a, a play like that or get an opportunity to shine who might go on and have good NFL careers, but you know, there's so many guys and I'm, I feel very thankful that I, I had the opportunity People still come up to me all the time. 
uh, about it. Like, oh, I have your picture hanging in my basement or or such and such. And now's the best catch I've ever, I've ever seen in a, in a bowl game or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's pr- still pretty special, you know, and, and after that game. We did, you know, seniors do the autograph sign tour signing, and I can't even, I don't even know how many I signed, probably four or 5,000 just after the season. So yeah. it was pretty nuts. Uh, you know, put people in, in these shoes too. You know, a lot, a lot of people think when a player's out there playing, they're thinking the same way they are sitting at home watching on television or sitting in the stands, like, oh no, oh no, well, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, that there's anxiety all over the place when in fact you're just running a play, right? It, uh, and you, the ball's up for grabs. You being a former basketball player, you high pointed everybody, right? And uh, uh, it, it, when you're in the play, you're not thinking about the drama of the play, right? I mean, you explain to people what's going on there. No, yeah. I mean, it's a reaction. You're not thinking about, Oh, if I don't catch this, what's going to happen? Or, oh gosh, is this to me? Yeah. You're just playing the game because you're used to it. In practice, you're taking reps. You, in any good player, you would think they know quick memory, right? Good or bad play, it's on to the next one. And in the game, you don't have time to think about, oh, I had a great catch that play. Well, we're driving the field to try and score to go up by even more to seal this game. Yeah. So, you know, I caught the ball, threw it back to the ref, ran back to the lot, the, the huddle to get the next play. And a couple plays later, Terrell threw a great ball to Depot, Devere Posey, and uh, that real, really sealed the deal. I think we went up 26 to – I can't remember right now. Yeah, I don't I remember either. I just well, think anyway, we won the game. We were already winning, but we went up – by two scores at least, or two possessions. I just remember Devere Posey explaining that too. You remember the lights in that in the Rose Bowl Stadium were kind of low. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, real low. Uh, yeah, and you, uh, Devere Posey. Remember, I remember him explaining when he caught that ball. He looked and he looked straight back into the lights, and he just put his put his hands and his arms where he thought the ball was going to be. You know, because the last time he saw it, kind of like a center fielder, you know, and the ball ends up there and he catches it. You know, it's like. You know, all these little nuanced things come into play in, in big moments, and it's kind of crazy, you know. Uh, uh, did Was there a moment, though, right after that catch? Because I remember uh, I used to fly airplanes a long time ago when I was in my teenage years, and uh, I had an episode in an airplane I won't get into, and it, it should have scared me to death at the moment, but I handled the situation, you know. And then 10 minutes later, I started shaking because – I started shaking because that's my – my subconscious became my conscious, and I realized what jeopardy I had been in. Right. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, not not exactly like running a pass route, but but I started shaking. I didn't know if I was going to be able to land or not. You know, and uh, but I finally calmed down. Obviously, I'm here, right? Uh, yeah. But did did it strike you later? You know, ten minutes later, or a few minutes later, or when we were asking you about it in the post game? When did it hit you? that you had done something remarkable? I honestly don't. <clears throat> Probably after the game when I was getting, you know, asked to go do all these post-game commentary and interviews with the CV stations because that usually wasn't my role. You know, yeah. they, they want the guys <laughs> who are making big plays or making a lot of plays. You know, my whole career at Ohio State only had 33 crutches. So yeah. I was like, okay, that must uh, that must have been a pretty big play. And, you know, you're, I'm not even thinking about that. I was more riding the high of winning the Rose yep. Bowl because yep. I I never got to win a bowl game. And getting recruiters at Ohio State back in early 2000s, 2003, 4, or 5, if you would have told me, hey, you're only going to win 
one bowl game in Ohio State, I'd be like, you're crazy. I'm going to at least win more than lost. And then one of them will be a national championship because that's just where Ohio State was then. And, you know, that's where they're at now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was just surreal. But I just celebrating with your teammates, you know what I mean? And being together was very important. Well, you know, it's funny, and I'll let you go after this. Uh, uh, the last time Ohio State won its final game of the year was the 2018 season when they won the Rose Bowl, you know? Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, Urban Meyer's last game at Ohio State, obviously they lost two, two you know, they've lost uh, in the college football playoffs the last the, the last previous two years, uh, you know, uh, one time to Clemson and one time to Alabama in the, in the championship game. And right. this is a moment, right? I mean, you're going to remember – as a player, these guys, like you said, the seniors, the last time, whether they're seniors or guys leaving early, they're going to remember this game for the rest of their life, right? One way or the other. Yeah. And they will, they'll know the feeling going out of the season. I don't want to say on top. It's not on top, but going out with a win in a, an important win, right? Not the Duke's Mayo bowl. Yeah. Whether you're playing a six and six team and you're seven and five, whatever it is, the, this occasion, but you're playing a good Pac-12 championship champion team, and you're going on to win. And I like to say that they won't, you know, if they win this game, the the losing feeling in Michigan will be gone. It's they'll that'll be stuck with those guys forever, unfortunately. But it does make it that much better going out with a win at the Rose Bowl. Well, Jake Ballard, uh, no matter what, I'm going to have a, a win unless it rains on January the 3rd. I'm supposed to play golf in Las Vegas with a buddy of mine, you know, and uh, that's a good that's a good consolation prize for me. You know, you and I hooked up many times this year with uh, Paul Spahn and Dane Sonsenbacher and, and Dave Holmes at different times. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to having a full calendar of golf this coming year, right? Yeah, no question. We're going to do it again and hopefully win some of these outings. Yeah. Well, we did win one, you know, which is oh, amazing. That's right. We did. Yeah. We did. I mean, yep. I forgot. That, you know, talk about, put, talk yep. about putting a team together through free agency and it coming through for you. We did that. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But the other thing I'm looking forward to is, you know, you and I are both uh, me being your quote manager and you being the talent. I'm looking forward to like figuring out this uh, long drive uh, uh, series and getting you involved. I mean, you're feeling pretty jacked about that, too, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I'm excited about the opportunity, especially with you leading the way. Uh, I've been working on my on the mechanics and the stroke and getting my launch point at 15 degrees. And I got this this new driver. So we'll be getting it done. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, as I, as I like to remind Jake, all you got to do is hit that grid one time with your best poke. You know, it's uh, one out of seven still wins or uh, one out of eight. Uh, you know, you can still win. And I'm telling you, this man can crush a golf ball. Maybe we need to get harder golf balls so you don't crush them all the time. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I don't know. Then it might not go as far. It might hurt yeah. the distance. That's a good point because they, they crush and they turn. They turn like a disc and they go down there. I'm, I'm with you. I see what I see. you're thinking there. But, uh, hey, man, thank you for joining the Tim May Podcast. I'll see you on Saturday uh, in that tailgate show. But, in, you know, and uh, during that show and then right now, just Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year to you. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the game. Utah's tough, man. They got a lot of big – big guys up front on both sides of the ball. So if, if Ohio State's thinking it might be a cakewalk, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Yeah, that's, that's what I, you know, I told Kirk. I said, Kirk Herbstreit, and I appreciate him being on my podcast this week too, is that they're going to come straight at you like Mike Tyson, meaning 
that's their form of, of, of combat is coming straight at you. You know, they do some trickeration, a little bit of trickeration. Who doesn't? And then defensively, they like to get after you, too, from a physical standpoint. Uh, just what's your gut feel? Is this Ohio State team up for this? What, 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 as we, before we wrap this up, do you, you've, you've since they will be up for this. I, I think they will. Um, one thing we've learned about Ryan Day and his coaching staff, they are very rarely unprepared. Um, I know everybody thinks the sky is falling, losing to Michigan, and or they want to say they're out coached, all this stuff. When coaches lose and players lose, everyone's going to say it's their – those guys are going to say it's their fault, which is the right perspective. But I would say these guys are very – I think they're very prepared for the game, and I think they know the opportunity in front of them. And I would be shocked if they came out flat and Utah just took it to them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jake Ballard with his assessment. I'll, I'll give you my true assessment of the game a week from now when uh, the next MA podcast drops. And who knows, I'll even call Jake up and get his, uh, uh, get his take on what he just watched. Uh, but until next week, Jake Ballard. For Jake Ballard and Kirk Herbstreit, this is Tim May. We'll see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.